Welcome to the Sussex Studentpreneur Series, the podcast that shines a spotlight on the inspiring world of startups founded by students at the University of Sussex. In each episode, we'll embark on a journey of innovation and resilience as we delve into the captivating stories behind student-founded businesses. We'll explore the triumphs, challenges and lessons learned, providing invaluable insights for aspiring young entrepreneurs who dare to dream big and a deep dive that will help investors fully grasp the potential of these startups. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're joined by Georgie, who's going to tell us about themselves and about their business as well. Hello, everybody. I'm Georgie. So I'm a student at the University of Sussex, and I'm doing a master's in media practice for development and social change. Um, My business is called Go With The Flow, which is a menstruation business. So it fights two aspects of period poverty by providing access to free and sustainable period products, as well as education around menstruation. I've published a zine which has gone out to about 300, 400 people. So 300 people in print and it's also on issue and has gone out to a lot of people in there as well. Now that you've introduced the business Mm -hmm. in yourself, I wanted to ask you, you've said that you've been doing this for a couple of years now. How has that journey looked like for you? I started this when I started researching menstruation and I realized that I really didn't know anything about it and around 800 million people in the world are menstruating at any given point and I was like it's so bad that we don't know so much about this thing and um, menstruators don't know about it, non-menstruators don't know about it and I started researching how our cycle changes over the month so Generally speaking, most people who menstruate over the month will have the hormones work in the same way. And more and more research is coming out about how we can work in tandem with our hormones. Um, So there's an activist called Maisie Hill, and she basically completely turned her life around, has published a book and a podcast, which I highly, highly recommend, called Period Power, about this. And then I kind of noticed as the cost of living crisis and COVID-19 was impacting more of us, that period poverty was getting worse. um, And lots of people were stepping in with like period banks, which are sometimes also called hygiene banks, where people can get like period products as well as like shampoos, conditioners, body wash, all of these necessary items uh, for living day to day life. And that kind of spurred me on. So before COVID and before the cost of living, the statistics were one in 10 girls had missed school due to being on their periods, but now it's gone up to one in six. It's severely impacting people and it's not just missing school, it's what they miss. So they miss like vital education. It's really bad for their confidence. Um, It's getting behind those people who do have access to um, period products or people who don't menstruate. So it's quite a severe issue. So research shows that menstruation is more than just like a problem. And I say problem in like quotation marks when people bleed. So it kind of impacts like physical and emotional well-being, healthcare, um, participation in day-to-day life throughout the month. And this can be due to confidence. This can be due to not having access to the care that's needed. It can be due to pain um, and all of the other like emotional and physical impacts that happen with menstruation and there's more and more 
activists who are popping up and kind of educating people on how to work with their periods. And I think this, like being part of that is like super exciting. I've worked and interviewed really, really, really cool period activists. So this is like a little shameless plug. Um, <laughs> do it, this is the place to do that. Okay, thank you. So the MAH podcast is called Off the Record with MAH and um, I interviewed two period activists, Daisy Wakefield and Freya Slack. So Daisy Wakefield is incredible and got free period products in her uni as part of her um, wow. project. Yeah, and then Freya Slack uh, started an organization called Don't Crack My Style and she's basically one of my idols. Um, and they talk about like the importance of period activism. And I think just getting those conversations out there because um, one of your questions is about like challenges and wins and yeah. going to the challenges, like people, when you start talking about periods, people can kind of like recoil with disgust, you know, and they feel so awkward about it. And there's just all this taboo around it. And I think actually like just saying the word period by saying that word or menstruation and saying it without any shame and without any awkwardness can really just help to dispel that and be yeah. like, it's not, you know, I don't like the word hygiene product for period product because a period isn't unhygienic. And the word, yeah, the word hygiene product makes it sound like it's a really dirty thing and it's a really disgusting thing, but actually it's not. It's just a normal, natural thing that... It is. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, especially you've, you've referenced so many statistics and so much research, which is incredible. When people think about period, period poverty... They think that it's just not happening in the UK, mm. that the UK, it's a European country, um, you know, it's one of the richer countries in the world and that this is not happening here. This could, this could be happening in mm. other places of the world, but not in the UK. And do you think that contributes to the taboo as well? I think a little bit. Um, another one of my favourite period activists is called Amica George. So she started a campaign called Free Periods to get free period products in uh, schools when she was really, really young. So it started as a petition and then went into kind of like a legal campaign. Part of the reason that she started that was because she was reading an article about period poverty in India. Um, and the thing is that there was kind of a big shift when a school in Leeds contacted a organization that provided free period products to places in Africa and this school in Leeds couldn't provide free period products to students in the school and students in the school were so seriously impacted by it. I think people can kind of look in a different direction all the time when thinking about poverty and they're like, well, it happens in this country and it happens in that country. And I think actually I'm gonna call a spade and a spade and say that's quite ignorant. Yeah. We have serious issues with poverty in the UK and to always look somewhere else and be pointing in a different direction completely forgets where we're at in the moment. And we've had years and years of austerity now in the UK and we need to like seriously look at what we've got here and think about how it's impacting people. Even if it only impacts us slightly or it doesn't impact us at all, we need to think about what the consequences are for those people who are living on the breadline um, that's a really good question that you asked me. So this is just some more statistics. So 85% of people who menstruate say they had difficulties getting period products during lockdown. And of 30 of these, 30% reported that this was due to financial problems. And this included losing their job or being furloughed. And part of this was new groups of people who were struggling with period poverty. So this was like students, people working for the NHS. So it's not 
you know, a kind of stereotype of people who might be poor. It's these people who are like working really hard and doing like life-changing work and people who we clapped every uh, Thursday and hailed as heroes who weren't able to access these like basic needs. And the UK government have done really good things. So um, they're no longer taxed as a luxury item, mm -hmm. which is like incredible and like all thanks and all credit to those people uh, who were responsible for that. But in Scotland, for example, period products are free at the point of access. And in the UK, there are places. So to signpost you in Brighton, the Ledwood Centre has free period products. Uh, there's a library as well. The Query has free period products. Um, and they are accessible, but it's charities and individuals and activists and organisations and initiatives that are providing them normally on a donation basis rather than it coming from uh, a central point like the government yeah, that's very interesting. I've noticed that when you refer to um, menstruators, you don't use the word or the term women that menstruate. Why is that? Um, that's a really good question. And I'm really glad you asked that. So part of the reason is because it's not just cis women who menstruate. And it's important to remember that some cis women don't menstruate. Um, so trans men menstruate, uh, non-binary people menstruate. And uh, trans women can have kind of menstruation-like symptoms when taking the pill. Um, so when taking hormones, they can kind of experience those fluctuations in hormones that uh, cis women may experience. To define the term cis, it's um, someone who is assigned female at birth and identifies as a woman. I think that the conversation is increasingly accepting that it's not just cis women who menstruate and when in meetings about stuff like this, it is generally understood that we use terms like menstruators or people who menstruate. Um, and um, yeah, it's just it's just essential. I think that that's like a complete non-negotiable. I'm, you know, I think sometimes like with trans people, the trans debates like do trans people exist or not? And it's just like a non-point. I'm not gonna argue whether trans people exist because they do. Um, in the same way that it's not just as women who menstruate. Um, a person called uh, Gabby uh, Edel Edlin, uh, excuse my pronunciation. Um, so they're the co-founder of Bloody Good Period. And they said, people talk about trans inclusion erasing women, but I've never felt erased in any of the work that I do when I include trans people. Seeing feminine symbols and designs on period products is not how I feel like a woman. And I think that's really important to remember. Um, and I think it's actually really hopeful because there's lots of trans and non-binary activists who are popping up and kind of educating people on what it is to be uh, a queer person menstruating um, and helping those people who are non-binary and trans feel comfortable with menstruating, but also helping um, those people who aren't that understand what those experiences are like. So there's a person called uh, Kai Wears who's a masculine non-binary activist activist and artist and they've kind of done like a lot of work specifically on menstruation and it's really hard for them because they say that if they go to a restaurant and they're on their period they're looking and they're really looking masculine that day um that they can't feel like they can walk into a woman's bathroom and get a tampon and this can have like serious issues for them long term absolutely i can imagine that not only health-related issues, but also like confidence-related issues. And at the end of the day, we shouldn't be excluding anyone. And I've, I'm very curious to know how Go With The Flow is, you know, 
upholding these values and what you're doing as a founder of Go With The Flow to fight this? <laughs> it's so funny to hear you, hear you say founder because I'm like, what? <laughs> it, I'm like, am I? But yeah, I guess I am. Um, but yeah, so in terms of queer issues, um, so I provide free period products. So anybody who wants them, please contact me. Uh, my Instagram is here we flow with a zero instead of an O. Contact me, I can get them into your community space. Uh, I am a community partner for an amazing organization called Hey Girls UK. Um, and they're just incredible. Like I can't speak highly enough about them. Um, they work on a buy one, donate one policy. So when people buy from them, um, people like me get donations and then I'm responsible for putting those donations out into the community. I'm on the third edition of the zine. And in this edition, I added like specific pages about queer periods. So I had a little bit in it in the other editions, but feedback from people was like, oh, I didn't know about this, or I wanna know more about this, or queer people were saying, I think more needs to be in the zine on this. Um, so I got two pages, did more work and research on it, and started including non-binary and trans voices in it. That's really interesting. And for anyone that is more interested about what Go With The Flow works as a business, would you mind explaining a bit of the business model behind the project? Of course, yeah. So um, basically I've had 300 zines printed and dispersed. Um, so actually at the beginning I was paid and they were given out for free. And then um, I kind of like reapproached it and started selling them so I do it on a pay-as-you-feel basis uh, and again that's really important to me so that they're accessible to everybody so I've sold them in like art markets um, in organizations around Brighton and people can pay as they feel essentially so you know if they're on a higher income uh, they can pay more and if they're on a lower income they can pay less um, a lot of it also is doing workshops around menstruation so just having these like really open conversations and a space a safe space as well so people can be like this is what I've experienced and say that with confidence and have conversations with other people who may have experienced the same thing um, and then know that that conversation doesn't leave that space a really important thing to me is also educating people who don't menstruate on menstruation yeah that sounds amazing it sounds like because you've been doing this for a long time and like it's kind of an unusual model as well yeah. in terms of what you're talking about but also how you're distributing mm -hmm. um i wanted to ask you about the challenges that you might have faced in the in your journey but also some of the highlights so far cool so i'll be really open i struggle with imposter syndrome um and i think that's where my biggest challenge comes in and i think i say this just because when I hear other people talking about it I'm like it just makes me feel better so I can I sometimes feel like like a fraud and I'm like oh how have I got here like I don't deserve this or I just get really embarrassed and stuff but I actually I think reminding myself that actually that's not that's that's in my head basically mm -hmm. and that's my brain being mean to myself is really important. I think I think some of the wins is actually the people that I've met along the way and the conversations that I've had because I've had such interesting conversations with people and I'm so inspired. I've already said this, but like Freya Slack is honestly one of my biggest inspirations and interviewing her was so incredible. And just like talking to these people who really care. I think like men, people who are doing activism uh, and menstruators and stuff, 
it's can kind of be this bubble of people who like really care and like are so interesting and so open and work on cases of like radical honesty and radical like openness and um I just really enjoy it and wouldn't have it other way any other way um I think when I first put my zine online it felt really like vulnerable because mm -hmm. I was like this is my work and I know that people feel disgusted by this topic. I know that people won't want to talk about it. People might not like it. People might not like the design. People might not like the wording that I've used. People might not like that it's inclusive, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the feedback was so good. And I had people all over the world, like on issue, you can see where people have accessed it. And I had people in America accessing it, people in India accessing it. And I was like, wow, like, okay, this is cool. So that felt really good. And when I have it at art markets as well, people coming up to me and being like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, this is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm educating people on how to work with your cycles and period activism and stuff. And they're like, I love talking to people who are like, oh, I know loads about this. And people will tell me what I should include as well. People will be like, oh, have you thought about researching this? And I'm like, oh my God, totally need to like include that. So I've got a long list of things that I want to include for the fourth edition. And people will be like, oh, I don't know anything about this. Should I know about this? Both sides of those conversations I see as wins because it feels like, I don't know how to say it, but like almost like a cycle where I kind of might know something and might educate somebody, but somebody might know so much more than me and educate me and then I can educate somebody on that kind of thing. So it's yeah. it feels like a web of people just like talking and educating and living their lives in just like such a, sustainable way almost yeah and it makes lots of sense because you know it sounds like behind your idea for the startup mm -hmm. it's it's rooted so much in community and community building but also community learning about mm -hmm. menstruation yeah and how that happens in facilitated spaces like the workshops that you hold mm -hmm. but it also happens naturally and organically when you attend these markets and you have these opportunities to meet people that otherwise might not have come to the sessions necessarily or might have known about the sessions. Yeah, because I've had people come up to me when they're buying the zine and buy the zine and walk off and I never hear from them again. But then I've had people come up to me and be like, can you do this for me? And then I'm like, can you do this for me? And it's, yeah, it's like a web of just people helping each other, which... Absolutely. I, yeah. That makes I lots know. of sense. Yeah. And I guess you've talked so much about the, the past and the inception mm -hmm. of... Uh, go with the flow that I also I'm very curious to know what the future of go with the flow looks like uh, with the future of go with the flow I think it's really exciting time at the moment for menstruation and people working in menstruation like it feels like it's moving really rapidly um, like for example recently there was a film called Padman which is about an Indian period activist and it was a huge commercial success um, and Bloody Good Period, uh, which was set up by Amica George, who I was talking about earlier. Um, they're currently using AI to understand like the everyday experiences of menstruation across the UK. Uh, they're working with an organization called Discovery AI and they're gathering content from across the Internet and looking at like these hidden everyday experiences of menstruation and how this can impact people kind of trying to gather information on those conversations that don't happen. Uh, or kind of happen in secret um, or private, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, and kind of like as the growing 
like as the middle class grows in countries like Brazil and India, more and more people are kind of wanting like luxury items around their periods. Um, as more and more women get into work and more and more women kind of have the agency, which is really exciting. Um, but in the same breath, it's really difficult to get funding at the moment. I've been trying to get funding for a while. I have been funded in the past and fingers crossed in September, I can get some funding from University of Sussex Student Union, which I'd be like so incredibly grateful for. Yeah, uh, my point is basically, it's just a really exciting time. Um, and I see more and more people talking openly about it on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I, I'm part of that and I wanna be more of a part of that. I think my approach generally speaking is I, research and seek out different paths and I follow those paths and see where they take me um so for example at the moment I'm working on the orange box project which is University of Sussex period dignity campaign um and it's trying to get free period products across the whole of University of Sussex campus and um that was just where I where I saw like a post about it sent an email and um since then I've been working with some amazing people on that and yeah, that's kind of my approach. I think long term, if I could be hiring facilitators, incredible. I'm trying to do the fourth edition of the zine, uh, which is um, I'm looking for a graphic designer for a paid opportunity about uh, to redesign the whole zine uh, and work with uh, on getting the social media up and running. So, yeah, that's super interesting. And Thank you. yeah, it looks like it's going to get lots mm -hmm. of places as well and like, as you said like you're promoting such an important topic and yeah. you're opening these really important conversations that I have no doubt that they're gonna reach the right audience thank like, you so much <laughs> thank you but yeah and I you've talked about support from the university and the student union and I also wanted to ask you how the entrepreneurship team at the University of Sussex has also supported you throughout your journey and what that looks like okay so uh, Helena Joyce uh, has been like super supportive. I think on the first session I was, I was kind of, I felt a bit out of my depth because I think for me, like I'm really like community centered. Whereas I was hearing from people and they were like, I'm this big doctor, I'm a lawyer. And I was just like, oh my God. And to be honest, my imposter syndrome just took over and I felt so embarrassed and I was, yeah. And I, I, I kind of spoke to Helen and I was like, this is what's going on. And she was so supportive about it. I think the one-to-one -one sessions can be really good. Um, and it's, I think actually so, so good that they exist. I think it does more than just uh, improve the, the accelerator. Um, I think generally like, it adds to, sorry generally <laughs> generally it adds to like a really good atmosphere in the uh sessions um and the emails are like super helpful that sounds really interesting and if anyone listening in today wanted to offer their support to you and support go with the flow what type of help would you be welcoming what type of help are you looking for thank you yeah thank you so much um i think at the moment anybody who's interested in menstruation activism um, and opening up those conversations, please get in contact. Anybody who wants free period products, whether they're for like a community space or an organization or just for yourself and your mates, please contact me um, as well. Anybody who's got funding, um, I've been looking at the licensing laws uh, in Brighton um, 
and I'm looking into maybe going that down that route. I think when you said the future, one thing I forgot to say was providing free period products in as many spaces as possible and actually making that maybe a mandate by law. So like kind of following Amica George's steps um, and looking at like how Scotland are doing it, I think is like really exciting. So yeah, so my email address is georgia.cbarrettoutlook.com. I'm on LinkedIn under the same name as well. Um, I've got an Instagram. It's a work in progress for sure, but I'm going to put it on here anyway. It's go with the flow, uh, flow spelt with a zero instead of an O. Um, and yeah, like even if you just want to have a conversation, even if you're like, I'm struggling with my periods and I don't know what to do, or I feel really awkward about period conversations and I want to talk to my sibling about it, get in contact because I can signpost you somewhere or have a conversation. And I think that's how this, how how we can talk more about periods is just by being like, oh my God, I'm so awkward about this. Or, oh my God, this is making me so embarrassed. And then being like, actually, it can be better. I think that's so important. Um, I think people can feel this massive sense of shame and taboo around menstruating and also a massive sense of shame and taboo around not being able to afford things. And I think when you put those two together, it can be quite harmful. Um, but just knowing that like there's... There's organizations like Hey Girls and like Don't Crap My Style and like uh, Maisie Hill who are saying, actually, no, like, fuck that. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really, really good. And we'll make sure to include all of this information that you've mentioned in the show notes as well. So Thank anyone you. that wants a quick link to the Instagram page or your LinkedIn or your email can check that out and get the full um link cool <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome i think those were all of the questions that i had for you today uh, you've raised such an important issue and you're tackling it in such an amazing way as well in such a creative and innovative way that thank people you. might not be thinking about so i'm sure that it's gonna get so far i have no doubt of that and i guess the last thing to say is best of luck with go with the flow moving forward thank you so much it's been great being interviewed by you oh thank you This series was hosted and produced by Berta Santos, and it was a collaboration between the entrepreneurship team at the University of Sussex and 76 Podcasting, the student-led podcasting network, also at the University of Sussex. The jingle in this series is a snippet of the song If You Lived Here, You'd Be Radioactive By Now by Aldous Ignite.